Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Get Connected with Nina Del Rio, a weekly conversation about fitness, health, and happenings in our community on 106.7 Light FM. Thanks for listening to Get Connected. It's 106.7. Talking about chronic stress. As adults, we talk about it all the time. But what about stress and kids? What does chronic stress mean for developing brains? The new book, The Self-Driven Child, offers a new approach to parenting based on decades of clinical experience and the latest developments in brain research. Our guest is neuropsychologist Dr. William Stixrud with his co-author, Ned Johnson. They've written the book we're talking about today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Dr. Stixrud is a clinical neuropsychologist and a faculty member at Children's National and the George Washington University School of Medicine. Stress in itself is not inherently bad. Doctor, what is the difference between good stress and bad stress, though, for kids? What scientists call positive stress, jitters, it's the excitement you get before you're performing or, or the urgency you feel when you have a deadline. And that can be very, it, it can be motivating, it, it can be very healthy, very productive. And what, what, what uh, scientists call tolerable stress is more intense stress, but it doesn't go on forever, and you have supportive parents who can help you with it. Toxic stress is where you're, you're experiencing severe stress or more chronic stress that just doesn't end. And that, that's, it's either severe stress or the chronic stress that has just a bad, such a bad effect on the developing brain. One of the, the shocking things in the book to me was when you talked about chronic stress similar to repeated mild blows to the brain. How are they related? Yeah. It is shocking. Well, it just seems that it took us a long time to really appreciate this, how serious the consequences are of these repeated blows to the brains in athletes. And, and, and now we see that, that it just has this devastating effect uh, on many athletes' brains. And we think that chronic stress should be, we, th- we, should, we should think about the same way because if we look at what it does to developing brains, it's not pretty. It's it, because it actually, that stress, if you're stressed for a long time, it, it makes bigger and more reactive the part of the brain that, that starts your stress response. And it, and it makes smaller and less connected the, the part of your brain that can do judgment and that can inhibit. So that the more you're stressed, the more easily stressed you get and the more vulnerable you become to becoming anxious or getting anxiety disorders or depression. So those, those coping mechanisms, as you say, they fall to the extremes. They tend to be more obsession or lack of motivation. That's kind of where kids are driven. Well, our, our book is about the sense of control, and in part because a low sense of control is the most stressful thing in the universe. So by increasing kids' sense of control, we're going to decrease the vulnerability to stress and anxiety and depression. Also, that we know that kids don't develop self-motivation unless they have a sense of autonomy, unless they have a sense that they can run their own lives or make decisions about their own life. And so we, we believe in authoritative parenting, meaning setting limits, and, and, and we're, we're still ultimately kind of in, in guiding the family. But we want to, as much as we can, treat kids respectfully. They have a brain in their head. They want their life to work. And supporting them in basically practicing, making their own decisions, solving their own problems with our, with our help. 
Kids want control, though, control of what necessarily? That a sense of autonomy appears to be a very deep human need. And I think that the, if we think about what's the opposite of a sense of control, it's feeling overwhelmed or it's feeling helpless or, or feeling powerless. And I think what kids want to feel is, is that, that, that they, can, they can, at least within limits, they can direct their own life and that people take, take their opinion seriously. And so what we want to do is we, we want to, to ask kids about their opinion. Young kids, we want to say as much as possible, you're the expert on you. We want kids to practice saying that we want as much as we can. Say it's, it's going to be your call about this. As long as your decision is not crazy, I want you to practice making decisions about your own life. And so kids want kids don't feel little kids. They don't want to be in control of everything. They'd be completely overwhelmed. We don't want kids to be overwhelmed, but we want them within their developmental limits to have autonomy as much as we can about their their school life, their social life, the, the things that they choose to do for activities. Interestingly, one of the things that, that kids spend a lot of time doing these days actually contributes to a loss of control, and that's social media. Can you talk about that? I, I'm a bit of a dinosaur here and not an expert on social media per se, but personally. But certainly the idea that you would post something about yourself and then wait to hear people judge you about it, that, that's a, a perfect example of externalizing a sense of control, basically saying that, 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 that what other people think about me is more important than what I think about myself. And there's a dramatic increase in, in, in adolescence, in, in anxiety and depression in the last six years, which some scientists think is actually associated with, with the effects of social media, particularly on girls. So how do you get someone who's attracted to social media, they spend all their so- free time on social media, interested in something else? Well, I, I think that be, because uh, we, we ask parents to focus on where do, you, where do you have leverage? And certainly if you pay for the kids' cell, the kids', the kids uh, minutes, that you have some, some leverage over what you're willing to pay for and what you aren't. We also suggest that, that parents make contracts with their kids about their own technology use, that, that most, most parents use technology more than, <laughs> more than they want to. And, and this, as a family, we meet together and support each other in, in using technology in a healthy way, in setting limits. And we also want parents to talk with kids about, here's the things that we know are really important to, to getting enough sleep, you know, being able to, 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 to get enough exercise, uh, having time for some, some time, downtime, time for homework. And then let, let's figure in the technology time after that, after, after we make sure we're getting all the, the things that we know are crucial for your development. The book is The Self-Driven Child by Dr. William Stixrud and Ned Johnson. They're child experts sharing how to combat the chronic stress plaguing kids today. Dr. Stixrud is our guest. You're listening to Get Connected on 106.7 Light FM. I'm Nina Del Rio. And let's talk about downtime since you mentioned it. It's a, a recommendation that in a way seems radical now. Free time, it, it almost feels like a lost art. Yeah, there's a series of studies where they asked young adults to sit with their own thoughts for 15 minutes, and 63% of the men chose to give themselves a mild electric shock rather than sitting after six minutes rather than sitting with their own thoughts. It's very hard for young people these days to not you know, to, uh, to reach for their phone uh, or their tablet and stimulate themselves in some way. And the problem is that, that we developed as a species having a lot of downtime. And we, there's, a part of, there's, a, there's a network in the brain called the default mode network that only activates when we're, this, when we're just alone with our own thoughts. And, so, and that network seems to be really important for the development of identity and development of empathy. Because when you're with your own thoughts, you think about your own life and you think about other people. 
And so there's a lot of concern that kids don't have enough time simply to reflect on their own life. And also, this radical downtime, it, it, we consider it to be things that, where you aren't doing anything, that obviously, but that's really good for you. It includes letting your mind wander, getting enough sleep, and meditating. The things where just you're sitting, apparently doing nothing, and yet all the research says it's really good for your brain. It's good for virtually everything. Some of the other topics you talk about in the book are about managing stress at school. If we have a real feeling that a teacher is assigning too much homework, what do you suggest? The crazy thing is that after 90 years of research, there's still no evidence that homework contributes to learning in elementary school kids. Hmm. It contributes kind of minimally in, 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 in middle school. And so the idea that kids in, in, in third grade have an hour of homework is completely absurd because the, the, their, their brains don't do anything with what they learn. And so what, what we recommend uh, regarding homework, our, our, our policy re- regarding homework, is for teachers to inspire kids to learn outside of school but not require. And when, when, if parents feel their kids have too much, we, 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 have, we have two approaches. One is we, we, we suggest to, to parents that they say to their kids that they're fighting with their kids about homework, I love you too much to fight with you about your homework. And then parents think about themselves as a consultant to their kid and support their kids and being willing to help but not taking responsibility for the work. And if kids have too much in school and they're dutifully trying to get it done but it's just too much, you go to your teacher and say, this isn't working for my kid. And I know that there's no evidence that kids need to do homework in elementary school to learn. So I don't see it. And please help us adjust this so that my kid's not not so unhappy and disliking school so much. But this phrase, this isn't working for my kid, seems teachers seem to respond to it well. Another cause of high anxiety is all the test prep. Is, you know, eventually you get to the SATs, the ACTs. How do you recommend sort of reframing the approach to test prep so it's not so stressful? My, my co-author, Ned Johnson, is one of the, the, the country's experts on helping kids uh, do well on, on, on the, these kind of standardized tests. And what Ned learned is that kids do better if they aren't completely stressed about it. And what, what we do in our chapter in our book um, is we talk about the things that make life stressful, and it's novelty, unpredictability, threat, and a low sense of control. And so we go through and we think about how, how, can we, how do we make this test more novel, how to, less novel, so we, we get really familiarized kids with the, with the test. We help, that we help them uh, feel less threatening by letting them know that you can take it more than once. And also, that I, what I say to kids is if you came to me when you were 30 and said, my, I haven't been very successful because I didn't get an extra 50 points in my SAT, I say, get over it. Get, <laughs> the, 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 create a life. You know, that, that it's just not that big a deal. And so what we want to do is, and we, we, uh, there's all kinds of examples of people who are very successful in life who didn't nail the, the ACT or the SAT. There's a lot of conversation in this book, too, very useful about how to not transfer our own stress to our kids. Can you talk yeah. about making decisions for our kids based on fear? That's a bad habit for a lot of people. Yeah, if something's happening, and there's a decision you have to make. And you think, well, I don't really want to do it, but I'm afraid if I don't, then something, something bad will happen. That kind of decision, in our experience, just doesn't usually go well. It goes better if we really focus on what we want and we really encourage our kids to pay attention to what do you think is right for you, what's important, what feels right to you in terms of your values, and go for that and not um, make decisions based on, uh, on fear. I, I see it all the time in terms of, of, of people applying in the, in the Washington, D.C. area where there's so many independent schools. I, I know it's not right for my kid to apply this year, but I'm afraid if I don't apply this year, he won't get in next year. 
And that kind of thinking, in my experience, almost never works. We want to focus on what's really right for a kid now, and we'll we'll trust the future to kind of work out. I, I kind of love the recommendation you have near the end of the book, too, about parents should take the ego, their ego, out of the question of what their child is doing. Talk about that for a moment. Well, it's really helpful pretty early on to, 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 to have the idea that this is my kid's life. You know, that, 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 that I don't own this kid, that I, I, I'm gonna, I love him, I'm going to nurture him every way I can and support him, but, but this, this is his life. And I don't know what's right for him. And I, don't, and I, I think as, the older I get, the more, the more aware I am that I, often do, I usually don't know what's in a kid's best interest because I don't know who the kid wants to be. And also, the decision that you make that seems like a bad decision a year later, two years later, may seem like a great decision. So um, I think that in terms of the ego part, you know, certainly uh, some people see their kids as kind of reflections of them. And we just encourage parents to do the work on themselves, to be a non-anxious presence for their kids, so to, 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 to work on minimizing their own fear of the future, their, their, their own anxiety. Um, and really supporting the kid on having the life, developing the life that he or she wants. The last chapter in the book is alternate routes, people who perhaps didn't follow the path their parents might have liked, and then maybe they took a long route to get to a happy life. It's very hopeful. What do you hope parents take away from it? One of the goals of our book is to help parents worry less about their kids, just kind of make life less stressful, make home less stressful for parents and their kids. And if kids have an accurate model of reality, and parents do too, meaning the road to success is not as narrow as we think it is. And something like, like in 2015, 32% of the population held a college degree, which means the majority doesn't. If the message is everybody has to go to college, that, that, that obviously is pretty discouraging for, for two-thirds of the population. Um, and, and also, if we have this idea that, that, that you're on a track, uh, it's, it's a race until age 18, and that then uh, that determines your own future, it's completely wrong. I mean, the, the, we have stories in the book about people who dropped out of school or people who were very late bloomers, M- myself, where I dropped out, of, I, I flunked out of graduate school the first time I went. And then I learned from it and, uh, and have had a great life as a psychologist. And there's, there's, there's all kinds of stories of people who found fulfilling lives who weren't always straight-A students and weren't always successful at everything. And if we just recognize that and we let kids know that, it just makes life less stressful for everybody. Dr. William Stixrud and his co-author Ned Johnson are authors of the book The Self-Driven Child, sharing how to combat chronic stress plaguing kids today. Dr. Stixrud, thanks for joining us on Get Connected. Thank you so much for having me. This has been Get Connected with Nina Del Rio on 106.7 Light FM. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. If you missed any part of our show or want to share it, visit our website for downloads and podcasts at 1067lightfm.com. Thanks for listening. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.